0: get ready to deepen with the divine. All right, good afternoon, good evening, good morning to everybody wherever you are in the world and whatever day or time that you're listening to the broadcast. This is Deepen in the Divine Radio with your host, Scott Kreitzer, and this is episode number 13 on April 6th, 2018, and I'm extremely excited to be talking with our special guest today, Beth Gere, who's the author of Awakening to One Love. Um, And as you know, before we jump into the interview today, I just want to remind people of a couple things. One, um, if you want to call in and ask Beth a question live on the air, uh, just take this number down. It's uh, 800-888-429-5471. Again, that number to interact today is 888-429-5471. All right, and before we introduce uh, Beth here, um, as always, I want to read, um, Just this is going to be a quick quote from A Course in Miracles, and this is from the Clarification of Terms section, uh, and it is section 6, paragraph 4, and it is, The Holy Spirit abides in the part of your mind that is part of the Christ mind. He represents yourself and your Creator who are one. He speaks for God and also for you, being joined with both. And I chose that uh, quote, as you're going to see here, because I think it's really fitting um, for uh, the topic of Beth's book, which is really amazing. Again, it's um, Awakening to One Love, Discussions with Holy Spirit Regarding Workbook Lessons from A Course in Miracles. And I've got to say, I I feel blessed for having had a chance to read this book before. I think it's officially out. We're going to talk about this in a second. And Beth also, um, she does a lot of great poetry. She's got a newsletter uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how to reach her in a little bit. Um, but I'm just so happy and want to welcome Beth Gere uh, to the show. So welcome, Beth.
1: Thank you. I am just so honored to be here and, and blessed. And, and thank you for having me, Scott. This is wonderful. Um, a My A great pleasure. opportunity. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and again, your book is so great. I, I just can't wait um, to talk about it. But before we we probably dive into your book... I figured it'd be a great idea to let everyone get to know a little bit about yourself and maybe even how you got into A Course in Miracles.
1: Sure, sure. And, and, um, you know, it's a story I love telling, um, because my journey actually began at age five. Wow. <laughs> That's when the first miraculous thing happened to me that forever set my mind on this, this path of searching for God and, and wanting to talk to him and, Hear him, or, or somehow um, figure this whole mess out. Like the whole question of why are we here? Mm-hmm. Um, when I was I was raised Catholic, and while my parents, you know, we went to church every Sunday, um, they weren't strict in the sense that their minds were closed to angels and. Miracles and other possibilities out there—they uh, weren't um, the staunch. If, if it's not in the Bible, it's not true, you know. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: So I, I had very open-minded uh, parents from the 70s, and um, but we were Catholic. And in kindergarten, uh, when I was about five years old, we started our Sunday school, and we were talking about prayer. And it occurred to me that maybe I was praying wrong, and that laying in my bed with my eyes closed and saying things in my mind. My, my memorized prayers uh, that God wasn't hearing me. So I thought, I don't know, should he should he somehow see me praying, and should I say them out loud? I mean, quite clearly, he's up above and in heaven somewhere. <laughs> you know, your little childlike mind imagines heaven as this faraway place. So I thought, I'm going to kneel in front of my window. So if nothing else, he can see what I'm doing, <laughs> and can read my lips, <laughs> and I'll and I'll say <laughs> these words out loud. Okay, on my windowsill, I had a cactus that I received from my grandmother. I don't know. I was only five or so, but it had been there as long as I could remember, and I remember her giving it to me. And it was just a single cactus stump, you know, like a cucumber sticking out of a pot. And mm-hmm. I didn't move it. I, I left it sit in the middle of the windowsill, and I just propped my elbows up on either side of it, clasped my hands, said my Our Father, my Hail Mary, you know, the, the prayers you're, you're taught as a child. Okay, so then I went to bed, thinking, okay, now I think I did it right. And um, in the morning, when I lifted the shade on the cactus, were three huge pink flower blooms. Mm, I just about died, okay? So now, you know, of course, I run downstairs, I show my parents, and they said, well, cactuses do that, you know, if there's a long period of the desert where, you know, there's no rain, suddenly they come to life, literally overnight they'll bloom. And I thought, well, even though there's a a natural explanation for this, maybe mom watered it the day before, and being five, I'm sure I didn't take very good care of it. It was the timing of that 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 was showing me there is something bigger than what we see, some power Mm -hmm. that we can't see, that listens, that hears us, and interacts with us. And it was from that point on my journey um, began. And so I I didn't just investigate uh, spiritual stuff. I investigated aliens, near-death experiences, angels, paranormal activity, ghosts, you name it. Um, All of the, you know, I'm a big sci-fi fan also. And um, I, I read everything about anything that I could get my hands on that was in the unexplainable realm. And... Um then, you know, I and of course my favorites were, you know, the Neil Donald Walsh and and the mm. the, the Eckert Toll and, and all of that, those authors. Um, and then one day I was in the bookstore and I grabbed a course in miracles. Mm. And the first time I looked at it I thought this looks like something for someone taking a college course. For some <laughs> religious class, <laughs> right. and it says text on it. It says manual for teachers on it. I thought, and I just promptly put it back. And I couldn't get it out of my head. I thought, what was that book? And I couldn't open it because it was wrapped in cellophane, um, because I believe the delicate nature of those thin, you know, papers inside it. The pages are, you know, as thin as they can be. And and uh, I went back and forth with it. Like I go in there and I pick it up and then I'd put it back. And then I'd go in there and go, I want to look at that again, and it wouldn't be there. And back and forth I went when I wanted it, it wouldn't be there. And when I wasn't looking for it, I would find it. And this went on for probably a year and probably three or four times. And then one day, um, you know, I've got my daughter was born when she was a few months old. She was crawling. And, you know, I think everybody suffers from some level of inner sadness. I truly think we live from one happy thing to the next. And when it's over, we're looking forward to the next thing. If it's an addiction, if it's buying something new, it makes us happy for a little bit, and then when it wears off, we're back where we started. We need an event. We need a, a new partner. Maybe we need a new job. Maybe we, you know, whatever it is. And I was in one of those lulls, and I would never describe myself as depressed, but I wasn't happy, you know. I, I, everything yeah. was going fine. It just was this underlying uneasiness. And I said, Lord, dear God, what are the rules to this place? If you would just tell me what to do, I don't care. You want me to do 10 jumping jacks a day? I will do that. You want me to, you know, whatever it is. Are we supposed to sacrifice lambs and baby cows like the Old Testament? (laughs) Fine, I'll go buy some. I don't care. Just tell me. What are the rules to being here? And I kid you not, within three or four days, it was within that
0: Oh, sounds like we might have lost Beth there for a second. And I think while we're waiting to see what what's going on in Beth's side, um I just was about to comment too and that uh conversational style that Beth was talking in and that kind of like talking with God, um that was her style um all through um writing the book. So that's how I, you know, basically I read the book um it was uh, her going through the three hundred sixty-five um, lessons and a Course in Miracles, but and having that kind of conversation back and forth with the Holy Spirit. And then we'll see. Um, we'll see if uh, we're going to get Beth back, or maybe it was me that dropped off. Just trying to see what's going on. And. It, again, I'm, I'm assuming that I'm still on right now. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to keep talking about, um, the things that I really enjoyed about the book our best book. Again, it's Awakening to One Love. And actually I should mention that her website, um, is, uh, awakening and then the number two, one com. So, um, We're, uh, it sounds like we're, uh, getting the connection back on. I'm not sure if, uh, stay
1: with me. We'll bring her right back.
0: Okay. Great. So we're getting, uh, Beth back right now, which is awesome. Uh, and the thing that I also loved about the book, and we're going to talk a little more about this once we get Beth back on, is, um, that, you know, she is kind of like it reminds me of, um, Again, people that know me know that I love Gary Renard.
1: Yes, thank you. Oh, there we go. Here we're back. We're back. You know, these technical difficulties um, happen.
0: <laughs> they do exactly. They do,
1: and and it's I always now I attribute it to uh, ego resistance, and so I'm going to try not to resist <laughs> when we're exactly. going to embrace
0: this. <laughs> it's all yeah. It's all like forgiveness opportunities or just being in the moment yes. opportunities, right?
1: Yes. No stress, no anxiety. We just roll with it.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was just explaining yeah. some of the things that I loved about your book, but we'll continue on with... Um,
1: oh, yes. And my story yeah. is very nearly finished, because this was the beginning of everything, was when I, I picked up the book, and this was like the third or fourth time I'd held it in my hand over the course of the year. And I very clearly heard that voice in my head that, you know, like I said, I had investigated everything, Um and had a lot of psychic experiences, a lot of paranormal experiences, a lot of um, even communication from um, deceased people that were reaching out to me to communicate with um, coworkers and, and friends and family. And so I had some experience with psychic phenomenon, but never this clear. And the voice very clearly said, read this do exactly as it says do not miss my message for the second time around which baffled me at the time i'm like when was the first time and Mm. and you'll be very upset with yourself if you don't read this you know and so i was under the impression that um that this was the rule book (laughs) this is the rule book i was asking for how are we supposed to be living here to be done with this um and of course i read it cover to cover and i read it and and it took me a very long time it took me like 10 years the first time to get through it because i i felt very resistant i couldn't understand the words i was reading i didn't know what any of it meant
0: i'm yes. baffled
1: by it all and i thought well it's a big book and like any big book it should repeat itself whatever it's trying to get across as far as a point or a teaching it should repeat in some other way i'm like nope i read it i don't get it well I'll start the lessons over again, and I started at the first one, heck God, dang it, I still don't know what this means. I've read this thing cover to cover, and what does this mean? Nothing in this room or anything you see means anything right. and in popped that voice for the second time and said, "Well, nobody understands these the first time they read them and and you're not the worst student ever, and you know, let me help you and that was the beginning um. And I started to take down the things that were very inspiring to me as individual pockets of just wow factor moments. And as I went along, I thought, I really want to share this with people. I can't believe this is happening. And so I started to form it into a book. And that's kind of how it all started. Um, It was my second trip through the lessons that as I went through them, I was taking down everything that was coming to me and that formed the book that I now have in existence, and it just kind of laid itself out in front of me, and I honestly, from chapter to chapter, I had no idea what the topics were going to be, I had no idea what was coming next, and was surprised after chapter after chapter that there was <laughs> still more to talk about, and there were still more things um, to go over, and uh, so yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much how it all happened.
0: Yeah, I I loved your story, and, and really it's uh, a testament to, you know, everyone can have that kind of a relationship with the yeah. Holy Spirit, but I really love the conversational style that you have with your connection with the Holy Spirit. It was really enjoyable to read. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, and so I was curious, so like literally every time you would do the lesson for the day, like as you were reading it, would you start to hear the voice, or did it kind of wait, or did it sort of do different it, things it, for you?
1: It varied from day to day, and it 100% depended on where my level of peace was. If I read the mm. lesson too fast and I was expectant, sometimes, seriously, it would wait till right before bed, and I'd be just falling asleep. I'm mean, there, it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's what I'm looking for, and it's always, it's always accompanied by a very positive, joyful feeling. And a feeling of being inspired and the feeling of, I can't help myself but write this down because it's, it's so good to me. And um, then I knew that, that it wasn't my ego. And I had many times, I'd sit in front of my computer and go, okay, come on, I'm waiting. <laughs> and nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. And I'd like, but I have the time right now. Nobody's crying. Nobody needs a diaper change. nobody you know, got the TV on. And I'm like, I'm, I'm all alone dude talk to me (laughs) and then it would surprise me and the voice would come in when i'm folding laundry or i'm driving or of all things i'm at work but i happen to be in the zen at work where i'm peacefully doing some monotonous chore and i'm like oh i need a scrap of paper i gotta write this down this is my message for the day and uh, so i I learned very quickly that it it came about during times of inner peace and that's Mm. exactly what the course talks about that um You can't hear the Holy Spirit if your ego is too busy yakking in your ear with all the negativities, thinking about other people and what they're doing or not doing, um, your relationships and and how those are affecting you or how you've affected other people, and what am I making for dinner, and yada, yada, yada. It it comes when you're completely in the present moment, and that's really hard to do when you're trying to do it. (laughs) Yes. There's a doing without doing, and it's kind of this little sweet spot that you just have to fall into um, that I think, like, people in sports or, or marathon runners, you know, you call it the zone, and you're just doing it, and you're not thinking about anything else but what's happening in the present moment, and you're just doing it, and, um, yeah, that's... It. I never knew exactly when because I couldn't trigger the voice myself. It was completely... Not in my power because if I tried to, I couldn't. I couldn't do it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. So that that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Inner peace. You know, it's it sounds simple till you start doing it.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really like the format that you have set up, where usually it's a lesson for the day, and then a message from Holy Spirit, and then it's kind of grouped together in themes. And then you go through, usually at the end of a theme where you're either asking a question or Holy Spirit starts a dialogue with you, and then you document that dialogue. And I was curious, of all the different dialogues that you had throughout the book, was there a certain um, piece of information or one of the conversations that really surprised you the most that kind of still sticks with you, like on a regular basis? Yes,
1: yes. Um, The one that pushed me over the edge, where I knew this was not me for sure. This was not me making something up like a sci-fi story, um, sure. you know, just pulling something out of nowhere and just making stuff up. What? Well, and I was scared of this topic, and I avoided it, and I pushed it off and out of my mind because I was afraid of sounding not authentic. And hmm. so when the Holy Spirit said, um, I'd like to talk about world peace, and I'm like, oh, we are going to talk about it. <laughs> and I said, all right, give me your plan. What's your great plan? we thought of everything, I'm sure, by now, because everybody seems to want world peace. And wow, well, okay, wow me here. <laughs> and here was this beautiful plan um, of where there's 12 human needs, that if these needs are satisfied, People feel safe and good and will be able to focus on their spirituality. If your physical needs are not met, if you're struggling to survive, if you're starving, if you're in a a, a predicament or position where you're living in desperation, physical desperation, you cannot focus on your inner work till that's taken care of. You just can't. It's just too real here and you're too stressed. If all those stressors are gone, you're able to relax and focus on that inner voice. And so I thought, oh, so there's 12 things. So I, I wrote down the first three, which are obvious, food, shelter, and clothing. If you've got those mm-hmm. three, you're, you're pretty good. <laughs> and nothing else came because I was like, oh, great, I'm not going to think of 12 things. I can't think of anything else. Me by <laughs> myself, absolutely not. At 3 in the morning, I woke up to the voice in my dead sleep. Get a pen, get a paper, here's the rest. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I wrote down the whole conversation. I'm like, holy buckets, I couldn't have thought of this in a million years. And, um, and I even had questions like, you know, why is, is, is civil peace more important than education? You know, education, wouldn't that be more important? And he said, well, if you lived in a third world country and, and you had concerns about your children going to school to begin with, that would be the least of your worries. Your worry is their safety first and you want you know, you don't want people going around with guns and guerrilla warfare, you know? Like, okay, mm-hmm. keep going. And and then just how the whole plan is laid out, um, where we're governing ourselves and the hundred and forty four thousand. That came to me when I was sitting at dinner with my husband and another couple. we were at a hibachi grill. There's literally a Japanese man in front of me flipping onions that are on fire. And I said, <laughs> Wait a minute <laughs> how many people are in this new government anyway? And literally the number just 144,000. And I was like, what? And I literally slapped both my cheeks. And the other couple looked at me. They're like, what happened to you? And I go, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just over here talking to myself in my head. <laughs> and
0: I'm like, oh, and, my
1: gosh. And so that's the rest of it came during that dinner. And I had a quick write it down when I got home. <laughs> so, yeah, like yeah, I said, that's... I never know. But that That's one pushed right. me over the cliff. I knew I wasn't picking okay. up all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right, because you talk about a new world government, or Holy Spirit talks about a new world government, yes. like a one yes. world ruler. And okay. One yep. world,
1: right. and I was so dead against that because it sounds like an evil dictatorship, but the right. way it's laid out, we're taking care of each other as a global family. And, you know, there, our physical barriers come down, the, the barriers between countries come down, and we treat each other as though we're one huge country. You know we have such unity in our town, and then you have such unity for your state, and you have such unity for your country, <clears throat> and then it just extends it out to your world and erases all those little boundaries and creates a, a unified thought process where you're taking care of everybody, everybody's doing everything, and um it it just it looked good on paper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: So we'll we'll see in 2 or 300 years if that comes to pass. So I'm yeah. off the hook there. I'll be gone.
0: <laughs> that's true. Probably in 200 or 300, probably, but maybe not. Yeah.
1: I don't know. We don't know.
0: <laughs> that's right. But yeah, it's I it was really interesting when you talk about that and being out at dinner because this was the if the conversation went in linear with the the mm-hmm. the lessons, this was pretty early on in the lesson. So did anybody in your family or friend circle know that this was happening to you?
1: My mom and dad. They were the only okay. two, and my husband, literally. And I would maybe talk about it at work a little bit because I was so amazed. And so mm. I couldn't help but tell people. And um, and they were all of the mindset of, well, keep going. See what else you can find out.
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: So I, I didn't tell a lot of people. I just, um, it's that crazy factor, you know. And mm-hmm. and uh so I shared it with my closest family and friends and that was it. And that was it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting like how guarded we tend to be or think we need to be yeah. when when you think about like Jesus, that's all he yes. had conversations with.
1: Yes, there's like an embarrassment there. Like you're afraid yeah. to openly love him because you're afraid people will think they'll think you're some weak, mushy or crazy Bible person, you know, that you're some fanatic or some fringe society person. And um, no, I'm just a human being who wants to learn how to love other people. And I want to love people the way he did. And it took me a long time to get over that fear and to openly Mm. admit that I was even hearing the voice. In fact, this is a secret. Well, now it's not because I'm telling you it on (laughs) the radio. The first draft of my book. I didn't actually say I was hearing the Holy Spirit. I just wrote down everything as though I knew it, and it was all mine. My editor Mm. looked at it, and he said, Well, this is a nice memoir. If you had a million followers, that'd be great, but you don't. He said, This isn't publishable. It's not going to do anything. But what I do love is two or three times in there, you share your conversations with your inner voice. He said three key words that changed everything. He said... I believe you. And I went, wow, somebody believes me and doesn't think I'm crazy. He goes, I believe you're hearing this voice. He said, why don't you present this material as you originally heard it? And I went, I can so do that. In fact, I'd way rather do that. And I feel so relieved to rewrite my whole book <laughs> from the perspective of my original, uh, my original perspective. And, um, it, it just, it was really hard because I couldn't admit that I, I didn't want to admit to anyone that I was, you know, getting these messages from internal, uh, an internal force. And, um, so yeah, I rewrote the whole thing start to finish. What took me two years to write, I rewrote in three months because wow. it was authentic. It was authentic. It's coming from an authentic place and there was no struggle. And virtually the first draft, there were so few changes. Um, it's just a couple grammatical things, and it was pretty much complete start to finish from the very first right through and uh, which is crazy <laughs> so, um, so, uh, yeah thank
0: you for sharing that because I can relate to the fear issue of putting something like yeah. this out there, but i'm I'm so happy and so glad that. The format that you have right now is what you ended up with. And and yeah, yes. basically raising your hand saying, hey, I have conversations with the Holy Spirit, because I think yes. this is going to help a lot of people, because I think that's the relationship that's really going to help people, uh, especially yes. if they practice A Course in Miracles.
1: And at one point, I was questioning that even in my own writing, and I'm like, well, you know, this is so weird, and yada, yada. And and the Holy Spirit says, this is the most natural thing you've ever done. Yeah. And it's that implication it's natural for us to speak to God and to hear that voice within us. Um, it's the siphoning out uh, through the ego and knowing that that inspiration you feel, that little nudge, just give it some more room and you'll get actual messages. You will get words, you will get guidance. And uh, it's only fear that that drowns it out, that covers it up because um, his voice is a whisper because it's peaceful. And it's getting ourselves to that level of peace um, that that allows us to attune to that voice, and it is something that every single human being is supposed to be doing on a twenty four seven basis. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so beautiful. I mean, I'll be honest. I've been studying the course for almost twelve years, and I'm finally just now getting that in the last like year. Like it's yes, huge. It, it's right? It's funny
1: how you get these aha moments and uh, you know, you talk about Gary Renard. He was very helpful to me too, because he was so mm-hmm. open about what was happening to him. And he so blatantly said, it's about forgiveness people. <laughs> it's like, I yes. just needed to hear somebody say it for me to join in. Like, I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> this ties it together for me. It's like the final spike in this long railroad thing. And it finally brings it all together for me. And, and uh, yes, it's like, I just, we need to band together so that others get the courage to uh, come forward and and begin really getting it and listening and and, um, opening up to this possibility.
0: Indeed. And I really, do you mind if I share probably my my favorite quote from the book and then hear your thoughts on it?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay, so this is on page 185, and uh, Holy Spirit says to you, I am teaching you how to turn your entire mind over to God. And in order to do that, you must understand how to release yourself to Him. Yes.
1: Yes. That is what it's all about. Um, Through the separation, through our desire to experience ourselves autonomously, as separate from our Creator, so we can pretend that we're Lord of our own domain. And we didn't do so good because this world is the result of our unguidedness, (laughs) Without any guidance at all from God, this is how things turn out. <clears throat> and our minds are so preoccupied with the world we've made outside of us that only the small, hidden, buried part that's still connected to God is, is um, still active and connected. Otherwise, we'd, we'd lose our existence if we weren't connected to God at all times. And, you know, he's literally the power that's giving me the life and energy to talk to you, you know. And that he's making our hearts beat and our cells divide. And, and every power is driven behind, dri- being driven behind by the Holy Spirit. And our minds are not with him. Our minds are on everything else but him. And when we relax, when we tell ourselves, I use this a lot what if the world was rendered obsolete? What if the bodies we have were obsolete and we were left with only our love and light? That is how I need to have my mind, in that state of I don't have any needs, I don't have any worries, because all of those things are associated with the body and the world outside me. And if I could render my thoughts about that obsolete, um my mind would be a hundred percent turned over to God. And that's when our world becomes transformed. That's when everything shifts. And I, I did read in the course, cause I'm like, why isn't it happening? <laughs> okay, I get it. Make it happen. <laughs> and you still see this world that we made with the ego for a little while. And in eternity, our lives seem like only a little while. And um, at the end of this, time that we're allotted here or the time that we've agreed to be here it will shift and we just have to trust that process trust that uh, the agreement we made to return and to give our whole mind back and not desire that separation anymore and I remember when I was writing these things like but I don't want you know I don't want to be separate why would I even be here you know what I really want and the response was but you don't behave that way You're still upset. You're upset about things outside of you. You get upset when people speak to you a certain way. I have a story about a very, very funny situation that happened to me at work when I was trying to see past this world and forgive it and, and give my mind over to God. So I'm a pharmacist, and a lot of times I'll find myself down at the cash register also checking people out with their prescriptions because I also have to talk to them counsel mm. them about their medication. I might as well take their money while we're doing it. <laughs> and I went down there and I had this prescription. We were really busy. This woman was on her cell phone, you know, yakking away. And I thought, I don't even have time to wait for her. Otherwise, I would just wait until she was done. And you know what? I'll wait on you when, we're, when you're done with your call. I didn't have time for that. And she stood there like she wanted me to take care of the transaction, And I thought, oh, she's being so rude, (laughs) She's (laughs) talking so loud to somebody and she's on her phone. And it's rude to do that when there's a human being in front of you, interacting with you, trying to serve you, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so I said, oh, this is one of those moments. And I said, Holy Spirit, will you please help me see her in the love and light that she really is? It didn't make me feel any better. I was still irritated. And so through the whole transaction, I just fine. I got the money. I took her money. I gave her her change. As I was handing her her change and putting it in her hand, she says to the other person on the line, Okay, goodbye, honey. I love you. And it was a knee-jerk reaction from me. I said, I love you, too. It was a knee-jerk reaction. I didn't mean to say that. And she looked at me, and we both burst out laughing. (laughs) And and she took her bag and went on her way. And as I was walking back into the pharmacy, I realized the only words we actually exchanged were, I love you. And I thought, you are a sneaky dude, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) You somehow caused me to see the situation in the light of love and joy and laughter. And I released her from anything I thought she was doing. It was my judgment that was making me upset. Who cares if she's on her phone? She's not punching me in the face. <laughs> Nothing's happening to me. Let her talk on her phone. It means nothing. I am making a big deal about something that I, I'm in control I'm in control of. I, it does not have to be important. And, um, yeah, there, when you are conscious and you're living consciously, there's no telling what fun, what beautiful way, what loving way the Holy Spirit will transform those situations for you if, if you just, Relax into it and let it happen. And, and that was, yeah, a story that I shared with the pharmacy, and it shifted everybody for a while. You know, we were all a little bit nicer to the ones we would just assign labels to, that they're crabby mm. or they're complaining or they're this or they're that. You know, we, we aren't in their shoes. We don't know what they're going through. And um, let the only words you share be I love you instead of I can't stand you, or, which is a, a mild form of hate.
0: But yeah so, exactly that's such a beautiful yeah. example that's yeah sometimes you don't hear a voice that you'll have to experience it's that just shift your
1: heart or that knee-jerk reaction i heard the words i love you honey and it <laughs> was a, a reactive i love you too i couldn't help it was the way she said it and it was so loud and something inside me replied for me and and it just yeah mm-hmm
0: that's so great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just really enjoy the conversations that you, you've you had with Holy Spirit. And I remember there was one point in the book, um, like just after page 200, 204, I think. And I think the Holy Spirit just really summarized, I think, that either the point of A Course in Miracles or forgiveness. And you're like, well, how come you didn't you don't just say that right out? And then he he yeah. gave you like some sort of a math equation analogy. Yeah. Would you mind sharing that with everyone?
1: Yes, yes. It was one of those aha moments for me because I said, you know, the course is so complex to read. If you, nobody understands it at first without some sort of guidance or some sort of, you know, really intense study because it's so different to our mind um, and our ego. It's so opposite of our normal way of thinking and, and thinking about God and life and each other. And I said, why don't you just come out and say you know, blatantly what you mean. It feels so hidden in there. And he replied, well, what if I gave you the answer to a very complex math problem? And I said, you mean if you just told me the answer was 42? And there I had <laughs> to giggle to myself because I thought of <laughs> the, the restaurant at the end of the universe. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. They made it into a movie, and they have this computer, computing over eons the meaning of life. And the answer it says is, is 42 <laughs> Oh right, that's of life. right, And I said, oh, so it's kind of a little joke between the Holy Spirit and I, but I didn't explain, but people who are familiar with uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy will know right. what I'm talking about. But yep. 42, unless it was 41, I might have the wrong number, I don't know. But I said, well, okay, so you just give me that number? And he said, yes, would that number mean anything to you if, you know, you have this big, long math problem? And to save you the time, I just say, ah, the answer is 42. I said, well, I guess the answer wouldn't mean much to me. I wouldn't understand how you arrived at that point. I wouldn't understand anything about what the number, how, what what you went through to get to that number. And he said, well, what if I taught you how to work through the problem yourself, step by step, and you gradually came to the answer on your own, and it was the correct answer? How would you feel about it then? And it took you a long time, and it was a lot of hard work, and you really, you know, something that you put a lot of effort into. How would you feel about that number then? And I said, I'd be very proud of it, and I'd be excited about it, and I'd want to teach other people. <laughs> <laughs> I'd want to explain to other people to help save them time how you arrive at the answer. And he's, he's basically, you know, bingo, and there you've got it. That, I mean, it comes down to in life... I see things, you know, um, like there'll be a, a picture or a sign on a wall or something in a coffee shop. You know, God is love or love one another or blah, blah, blah. All those little sayings now have deeper meaning for me. All mm. of those 42s out there that were just the answer in little short sentences that you see all over the Internet, Facebook, everybody's, you know, local diners, wherever. All those little things now, when I read them, I think, ah, I know what that means now. I know what that means. I know how that answer has been arrived at and what it takes to really believe and feel and know God is love and that there's so much more behind that than those three little words. And so it's really brought deeper meaning to everything now that I've been surrounded with my whole life. The answer's been there all along. We just didn't know what we were looking at. You know, um, another math analogy was also trying to teach a child who's just learning addition and subtraction, jumping right ahead to algebra. It's impossible to understand it until you've got the groundwork. But Mm -hmm. you can speed the groundwork along through, you know, each of us writing our own version of what we've learned and we're slowly piecing it together. Cause you know, my book doesn't contain everything and, and, and you know, other people's books don't contain everything and the course does contain everything, <laughs> but it's hard <laughs> to get through. And if we all work together, we can piece it together quicker and easier um, and faster and, and learn, be better learners. We'll be better students of the course as we, we, we pool our knowledge and our experiences and our stories of what we've learned.
0: Yeah, that's such a beautiful perspective. And, you know, in alignment with union and unity and the, the whole oneness concept, it's just, be- I have never heard anyone really explain it that way. And I just, I really commend mm-hmm. you on, yeah, it seems like you've just gone through so much. In fact, because of this experience, I'm curious if you have any, um, I guess, words of wisdom Uh, for any of the listeners, if they want to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, do you have any tips?
1: Um, you know, don't struggle against your inner peace. We Mm. have so much resistance. Um, We'll do anything (laughs) to not have peace. And every time something enters your mind uh, that causes you unrest or even very mild irritation, um, I have a story about my dog, and I, I also, for the past year, I gave 12 workshops, which are now posted on my blog, on my website, the notes from them, um, and uh, the 11th, no, the 12th one was about giving away your peace. Don't, don't give it away, and, and when someone is doing something or saying something, and it bothers you, and you don't feel happy. You've given the responsibility of your peace to them. We don't even know how to be peaceful ourselves. For sure, someone else doesn't know what to do with it. <laughs> don't assign the responsibility of your inner peace to anybody else. And this was dawning on me one morning, and um, I just had been thinking about it the last couple days, and I thought, wow, that's exactly what happened. When I'm upset, it's as though... I place the responsibility of my peace on someone else, and they're required to behave a certain way in order for me to be happy. That's so mm. wrong, and they don't even know they're doing it. Half the time, the people Oof. we're upset with don't even know. Drivers on the road, the cashier at the grocery store who seem kind of rude, they don't know they're bothering us.
0: And yet, here <laughs> I'm
1: all mad, you know, about people who don't even know I'm mad. And I was um, taking hay out to my horses. We've got three horses. I live on a little hobby farm. And I have the hay on a sled, and it's a winter morning, and it's calm and, and beautiful and crisp, and the sun's coming up. It's a beautiful sunrise. And I just stood there for a minute and thought, oh, man, do I feel good. I am so at peace. The second I thought those words, I look over and see my dog. We have an a 80-pound Rottweiler who is a furry human being. She's a beautiful, loving creature, and I love her to pieces. But there's literally a landmine a, a, a land of horse manure, frozen little round tidbits of delight that she loves to eat their manure when they're frozen <laughs> in the winter. And it, I, I hate that <laughs> because hate it. it makes her sick. She will throw up if she eats too many horse apples. And also gross. <laughs> it's so gross. I don't want her licking me. I don't want her in the house. And so I'm literally thinking I am so at peace and I literally turned and I'm screaming at her. What? get that out of your mouth. Sit that out. You know, I'm just I went from zero to a hundred percent rage in less than half a second. <laughs> and then as I'm yelling at her and then I realized I was just in deep peace and now I'm not like the furthest from it, the opposite thing, and I thought, Oh, it's like I'm bipolar, literally the ego and the holy spirit in our mind. Makes us bipolar. <laughs> and I yeah. thought, oh, my goodness, I gave the responsibility of my peace to the family dog. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Freya is carrying this weight on her shoulders, and she's just living her happy dog life and could care less what I think about her poop-eating habits, you know? And exactly. it just threw everything back into perspective, and I calmed down, and it's not the end of the world. Nobody's going to die. And, and uh, you know what? Be vigilant. Be vigilant for your peace and who you're giving it to. Who are you giving the responsibility of it to? Because if you can keep it your responsibility, your emotions, are, your perspective is your responsibility, it hooks you into that holy perspective of forgiveness, that none of this is worth getting upset over. Anger is never justified. And I'm sure you recognize that from the course. It isn't, because if this world isn't real and if we don't believe we're bodies, there's no reason to become angry ever, because none of it's uh, something that goes with you when you die. None of it comes with you. These problems stay here because they're not real. And if we weren't in these bodies, we wouldn't have any problems. And Mm -hmm. you can shed those problems and shift your entire experience of the world to abundance and peace by ceasing to see problems, by ceasing to assign the responsibility of your peace to your outer circumstances, whether it's people, whether it's a flat tire, or, you know, you drop the sugar bowl, now there's sugar and glass all over the floor. Take a deep breath and say, Well So that happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's fine. Yep, that's not very convenient. I'm supposed to be out the door, but I've got a pile of mesh on the floor now, you know. And um, you'd be surprised at how quickly that cleans up and how quickly these things cease to happen. And you were talking about, oh, no, I think I read it, um, the snowboarding incident where I was spared a severe injury. Snowboarding, that was one of those times. Um, where I was spared a terrible event because I didn't need to go through it because I'd been forgiving enough that these, this, this incident was erased from my future, which I still, to this day, how time is linear for us here, but in eternity, it's all happening at once, and things can be manipulated. And, um, you know, I woke up at 2 in the morning, and my husband and I were on a snowboarding trip out in the um, mountains of Montana and we, were, we had been there for three days. We're on our fourth day. It was the last day we were going to be there, and uh, I got this foreboding feeling, this warning. I woke up at three in the morning. So many of my messages come in the middle of the night like that, and the words were, do not go up to Challenger Peak, <clears throat> and I said, why not? Because you'll sustain a severe injury to your hip and knee, and you won't walk right ever again. You will never heal completely. Your horseback riding days will be done. Your days of running will be done. You'll be able to walk, but you'll have a limp type of thing. Like I'd be partially handicapped. And I said, okay, well, why are you warning me? And the answer was, you've come far along, far enough along on your forgiveness lessons that you don't need to experience this level of pain and suffering. And I thought, well, why would I need to experience it to begin with? Well, it's to... Um, realize you don't want to associate yourself with a body that's your spirit and that you need to let your identity of the body go and I said well what about my husband because he loved going up to Challenger Peak because it really was a challenge you literally as this little two-seater lift took you to one of the highest tippy tips of the mountains and there's a sheer drop off on the right and this narrow ledge and people crowded at the top. There wasn't enough room. and I mean, it was very terrifying. And the wind is just howling up there 24-7 with blinding snow. And um, they even had a warning sign at the bottom, you know, experts only.
0: <laughs>
1: and, <laughs> and I thought, oh, he loves challenges. He's going to want to go up there. What do I do? And they said, the, the voice, and I say they because it felt like, I don't know, sometimes the voice feels like a group of, of helpers. Um, and we are really a they together, all of us anyway collective um, oneself so it, it you know makes sense and they said don't worry about him we'll take care of Paul so we get up in the morning I don't say a word about it because I don't want to skew the results <clears throat> this is kind of a little test for me too to my reality check like okay let's see if this message is real and if he wants to go up there well I'll just have to break my leg and die I guess or whatever <laughs> so um, our last day my husband says, I want to go all the way around to the far side of the resort because we haven't been all the way as far as we can go. Let's take this big long trail kind of horizontal across the mountain range and see the far end of the resort. And on our way, we stopped to rest and I look up and we're at the base of a chairlift and I look and it's none other than the Challenger Peak chairlift. And I looked at it. And then I turned to Paul, and he said, oh, look, we're at Challenger Peak. You know, if we take this chairlift straight up and go down the other side, we'll be exactly where we want to be. It'll cut off probably two hours of our time, you know, going horizontal across. And I didn't say anything, and he looked at the (laughs) map. He didn't even look up at me to see my face. He just said, but you know what? I don't feel like doing that. Let's just keep going where we're going. I went, holy (laughs) crap. (laughs) he didn't want to go up there and it would have been a shortcut and I thought they really did take care of that and so then when we got back and we're all in one piece we took off our boots for the day and hung everything up I said okay it's safe to tell you this now and I told him the warning I got in the middle of the night and I said I gotta know why didn't you want to go up that chairlift he said that's the weirdest thing he said I suddenly got a very bad feeling about it a very Hmm. deep sense of foreboding that if we went up there, we'd get injured. So I decided to take the safer route.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's (laughs) amazing. He
1: speaks speaks to everybody. You just got to listen, and you don't even know you're listening. Those are the best messages when you don't even know you're listening. So, yes, that, yeah. Forgiveness lessons are removed from your future. As you practice forgiveness, things actually do get easier. And I'm going to tell you that there are times where they seem worse, and that's only because of our inner resistance. And I do feel like sometimes we're getting a bunch all at once to kind of burn through a lot and just get it over with, because I I do appreciate the shorter road that way, too. (laughs) Mm, Definitely. So things are, you know, if cards are falling and things are happening in your life, stuff becoming undone, it's just all part of the undoing process to get you on the right track. And things that are denied us, that we've prayed fervently for, you just have to trust that it, it, it wasn't for your highest good. It wasn't um, in your best interest, because the one who knows our best interest can see everything, can see all outcomes, can see all reasons for all things. And you just have to trust that every single human being placed in your path, placed in front of you, is there specifically by the Holy Spirit. Scott, you are talking to me right now because you were strategically placed here on this phone with me by the Holy Spirit. I trust in that 100%, that there is a reason for everything, for every single human being needing another, and it's always for the highest good. So I, I do thank you for answering that inner voice that said, hey, I'm going to ask Beth a show, be on my <laughs> radio show, because... Everything is for our highest good, and you have to trust that even the uncomfortable things. And mm. there's a part in my book about that, too, where I, I said, does the script have to be so bad? Like, do we need these uncomfortable things? And the Holy Spirit said, every one of you is like a lit, ma- uh, an unlit match with the proper um, force and pressure you ignite into a beautiful... Force of goodness, and, and you know, it's like that push you need to be to seek God to begin with sometimes. And that was when I said, Well, I think I have a wet match because I don't really like force and pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're really, really down to earth, real conversations where I express my, my feelings openly.
0: <laughs> yeah, my it's it is, it's my you're well-
1: for lessons.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And again, I just really love your book. And we just have a couple minutes left. And I just wanted to make sure that you had a chance to mention when the book is going to come out and then how people can get in touch with you.
1: Okay, so my book is pending. Um, There have been a couple delays because my editor also is the editor for the Spanish version of the actual Course in Miracles. And so she's had a couple of delays which push with that project, which pushes my book back because it's behind that project. And I don't mind waiting in line for the official Course in Miracles to work out whatever their, their uh, <laughs> little snafus are. So in the meantime, I'm hoping it'll be released sometime here this month in April. Um, in the meantime, if anyone wants to be notified of the second it's available, just sign up for um, my email Uh, I have an email pop-up and an email site on my webpage, and my webpage is awakening2onelove.com. It's the word awakening, the number two, and then the words onelove.com. Go on there, and the homepage has it right there, my little um, sign-up block, and subscribe, and you'll receive beautiful messages um, every few days. It's it's turning out to be bi-weekly. But my day-to-day inspirations, messages from the Holy Spirit is he continues to magnify and decipher um, the meaning of the Course in Miracles for me. It's continuously distilling down to these very simple truths and these very simple ways of seeing the world and each other and how simple our rules are here. The rules are not complex. It's just a matter of knowing what to do. <laughs> and you can accelerate yes. your awakening and your own ability to hear the Holy Spirit within you.
0: Yeah, that's such a beautiful message. And again, I think your your book really speaks to that and the experience that you've had. And I highly recommend uh, everyone going to Beth uh, Beth's website, awakeningtoonelove.com, signing up for the newsletter, and then uh, eagerly awaiting the release of your book. And Beth, um, I just want to thank you so much for being a guest today. And look forward to supporting you and your future endeavors, especially with your book release.
1: Thank you so much, Scott. You have a great night. Thank you for having me, and blessings to you and yours. Take care.
0: Thank you, and blessings to you as well. Take care. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Deepening with the Divine or Scott Kreitza, please visit Kreitza.com. You can sign up for my newsletter and receive a free ebook download, as well as many surprises and gifts throughout the year. The world needs more people like you, God minded and spirit workers.